President Trump, our great Mikado virtuous man, kicked off his 12-day trip to Asia with some golf club koi fish diplomacy alongside Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. We'll break down the first few days. Then, Emily Butler and Jacob Berry join the panel of deplorables to discuss this awful shooting in Texas. Former DNC Chairman Donna Brazile's seeming to substantiate Seth Rich conspiracy theories and Hillary's fighting back as Democrats almost uniformly throw her under the bus. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. There is so much to get to today. I just got back from, I was on the East Coast this weekend. I went to the William F. Buckley Jr. dinner at Yale, which was great. That is 100% uh, of any conservative who has anything to do with any college in the country just goes to this one dinner <laughs> at Yale for uh, academic and intellectual diversity there. So I went to that. My flight was delayed by about 100 million hours. So I got in at about 4 a.m. this morning. I have been mainlining Kofefe all day. It is been just like right intravenous so hopefully we'll have enough high energy we won't have like jeb bushiness to bring us down we'll have enough high energy to get through all these important topics today and i did get some good news i was so beaten down i came in you know it was really awful yale has fallen apart and obviously I haven't slept in forever because Yale has fallen apart, but they still drink like fish. So it was a very exhausting weekend. And we got some good news today that we have to talk about first. We're going to keep the lights on for another week. Marshall, you are not fired for a whole other week. Thank God. Because we have a new sponsor. So we got to give these guys some love. All of our sponsors have been great, as you've heard. They have great products. And this one is really good and really helpful and will save you a lot of money. So you, you should get it ASAP. It's called Texture. It's the Texture app. And, you know, any time that I've applied for an academic position or a fellowship or college or a society or some social institution, the one question that is on all of these applications and all of these uh, forms that you send in is what magazines do you subscribe to? Because when you go into someone's house, I, I've had the privilege of going into the houses of many wealthy people. And the one thing I noticed is they all read Architectural Digest. I don't know why. <laughs> that is just like the rich guy magazine. And it's all there. And uh, so people read magazines because it gives you really high quality uh, coverage and commentary, and it just brings you into the conversation with people. I think that's why all of these secret societies and different clubs and institutions, they always ask you, what are, what are you reading? Now, I'm a millennial, which means two things. One, I hate delayed gratification. I don't want to wait for a physical magazine to come in the mail. I'm not going to deal with it. I barely check my mailbox. And the other is I don't have endless money. I've already obviously spent all of the blank book money. So I don't have endless money to spend hundreds of dollars, $1,000 a year, subscribing to all of the magazines that I want to read. But luckily, there is a texture which solves both problems. Um, you know. It, Magazines weave together great writing, beautiful photography, all of that stuff. So if I want to read National Geographic, that'll take me away to another place. If I want to see the future, I can read Wired. Some say the world will end in Wired. Some say in Vice. Who knows? And, uh, you know, quality magazines should be available anytime without having to carry them around. The Texture app will give you unlimited access to over 200 premium magazines. Right now, you can try it for free. And... Uh, if you go to texture.com slash Knowles, that's K-N-O-W-L-E-S, like Beyonce, before she took the name off. She was so embarrassed by our family. Texture.com slash Knowles. Uh, if you ch so you'll get, the, you'll get the trial for free. 
You can check it out right now. It will cost you nothing. Then if you choose to continue, it's only $9.99 per month, which is an unbelievable deal. It's 30% off their, their regular deal to get all of these premium magazines. But it's also so much cheaper than actually subscribing to magazines. It is like a fraction of a fraction of the cost. So go over there right now. There are, great, there are great gift options available for the holiday season that we're moving into. So if you want to send your uh, buddy some sophistication that, or a family member or something, there are great gift options available. Go to texture.com slash Knowles to start your free trial today. That is texture.com slash Knowles, texture.com slash Knowles. And help us keep the lights on and you'll get to educate yourself and become a, a real cool sophisticate. All right, now we have to get to all of this news. This was really crazy. I, you know, I'm, I've been, I was up all night, and in the middle of the night, I received exclusive video footage of President Trump and Prime Minister Shinzo Abe caught on a hot mic describing their diplomatic relationship. There is beauty in the bellow of the blast. There is grandeur in the growling of the gale. There is eloquent outpouring when the lion is a roaring and the tiger is a lashing of his tail. Yes, I like to see a tiger from the Congo or the Niger, and especially when he's lashing of his tail. Volcanoes have a splendor that is grim, and earthquakes only terrify the dolts. But to him who's scientific, there is nothing that's terrific in the falling of a flight of thunderbolts. Yet in spite of all my meekness, if I have a little weakness, it's a passion for a flight of thunderbolts. If that is so very very Incredible footage. It is just amazing to really get a peek in at what diplomacy looks like. There it is. There is eloquent outpouring when the lion is a roaring, and our president with his big golden mane, was a-roaring. Uh, earthquakes only terrify the dolts. It's evident very. Our tastes are one. Is By the way, is that reference the most obscure <laughs> musical reference we've ever put on any of these shows? I think it might, I think it might be, as Groucho marks in the Mikado. Um, but it does sum it up very well. Our tastes are one. Uh, President Trump and Shinzo Abe seem to get along quite well. Uh, Trump's journey will be the longest presidential trip to Asia in 25 years, quarter of a century. The last trip that extended this long was undertaken by President Bush I, and it famously did not end very well. ABC News has obtained a videotape that shows clearly what happened when the president fell ill. Here's White House correspondent Ann Compton. The lone camera in the dining room was locked in on the head table when President Bush was overcome by nausea and fell forward. It appears he lost consciousness as he toppled over onto his host, Prime Minister Miyazawa. The new scenes show First Lady Barbara Bush acting quickly, recognizing her husband needed help, bringing her napkin to his mouth, then stepping back to let the Secret Service agents take over. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that President Bush Sr.'s keeling over and vomiting was a bit low energy. So Trump decided to make his diplomatic overtures higher energy, not by spewing his lunch, but by spewing his words. The Japanese people are thriving. Your cities are vibrant. And you've built one of the world's most powerful economies. I don't know if it's as good as ours. I think not. Okay? And we're going to try and keep it that way. But you'll be second. And yet, for all of its modern splendor, the people of Japan maintain a profound respect 
for their rich culture, heritage, and traditions. Now, could you spot the point at which he went off script? I don't know if you could tell. Could you tell the point where he stopped reading the script and started ad-libbing? Yeah, yeah, right around there. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Uh, you know, Abe, by the way, seemed okay with this. The American mainstream media are ripping this to shreds and saying this was awful and terrible diplomacy. But Abe seemed okay with it. He smiled as his interpreter and his earpiece told him what Trump had said. Uh, the, the conclusion of this meeting has been great. Japan has announced that it will go along with U.S. sanctions on North Korea. They're going to freeze the assets of 35 North Korean groups and individuals. Uh, he also underscored, Abe underscored the Trump policy, the American policy on North Korea, which is no dialogue. We've had enough dialogue time to maximize pressure. To exemplify the U.S.-Japanese cooperation, Abe gave Donald Trump a hat embroidered with the phrase, Donald and Shinzo make alliance even greater before they headed to play golf. I, I love it so much. This diplomacy has an exuberance to it. I mean, that even though it, it doesn't even say Trump and Abe, right? it says Donald and Shinzo. It's so campy. It's so real politics. You know, it's being very honest with what, what it is. There's no pretense here. There's no guile. Uh, you know, President Trump said on North Korea, the era of strategic patience is over. That was the, the title, strategic patience, of Obama's policy toward North Korea, which is only— it, it, transcends parody to say our we have strategic patience we're going to lead from behind it just isn't possible right you know they, it, it's a euphemism that is so ridiculous as to undermine as to undermine itself uh, abe said dialogue has failed for 25 years so he's throwing uh, throwing some shade on president obama's foreign policy and uh, so anyway they seem to have gone along quite well CNN could not take it. CNN was so furious they had to breathlessly report fake news. This was a headline from one of the moments of this trip. Quote, Trump feeds fish, winds up pouring entire box of food into koi pond. That's what it, so there was this moment where Trump and Abe were there at the little koi pond with the fish, and they were spooning out of, spoonfuls of fish food, and then the camera zoomed in on Trump. And, well, this is, this is the line from the, uh, from the report. President Trump took a moment out of his whirlwind Japanese trip to connect with nature and feed some fish, but after a few delicate scoops, he resorted to a grand gesture met with some laughter. He, with a look of enjoyment, Trump quickly poured his entire box of food into the pond. The move got some laughs and a smile from Abe, who actually appeared to dump out his box of food ahead of Trump. So they had to bury that line, right? The whole thing is what an idiot Trump is. There's a video that CNN posted where they're spooning it out, it zooms in on Trump, and Trump pours out the rest of the box. The reason that they had to add that artificial zoom is because they didn't want to show that Abe had done that first. Fake news at its finest, you know, obviously par for the course for CNN, but it, there is no reason to, to give those people even an ounce of credibility. They don't deserve it. They don't possess it. They are so furious that Donald Trump, contrary to all of their expectations, all of their insistence, is handling diplomacy relatively quite well and so they have to make up just make up stories out of whole cloth such as Trump endangering the lives of koi fish or, or embarrassing himself now compare this compare this trip to the uh, highly successful foreign trip you know to his previous administration here is the failed Russian reset Biden and I have been saying and that is we want to reset 
our relationship. And so we will do it together. <laughs> Thank you very much. You are very welcome. We worked hard to get the right Russian word. You think you, we got it? You get it wrong. I got it wrong. <laughs> it should be перезагрузка. Ah. And this says перегрузка, uh, which means overcharge. There, if any clip could uh, exemplify Barack Obama's administration and Hillary Clinton's candidacy, it would be that one. They failed, but you, you didn't see rampant reporting in the mainstream media on this huge international embarrassment. No, 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 because that was Hillary. It's all nice. There's a patina of uh, elitism and legitimacy there. Donald Trump has been carrying this off very well. Uh, consider Barack Obama bowing down before every foreign leader he could find. He, he would bow down before the stewardess on his Japan air flight, you know. Uh, uh, we, we see Barack Obama, or rather Donald Trump did not do that. He shook Emperor Hirohito's, or Emperor Hirohito, he shook the uh, Japanese emperor's hand. We're seeing two foreign policies here. The Obama policy in which America is a supplicant begging forgiveness for its endless imagined crimes, and we're seeing the Trump foreign policy of speaking loudly and carrying the gold-plated golf clubs that Prime Minister Abe actually gave him. Which version makes America and the world safer and more prosperous. To discuss this, we bring on our extra special Cafefe panel today, Emily Butler from The Daily Wire, and also from wandering around uh, madly around the sidewalks, Jacob Airy. Thank you both for being here. Emily, does the world hate us and does it matter? Yes and no, as an answer to both of those. Really strong. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yes, they hate us. No, it doesn't matter. Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, actually, I, I don't think the rest of the world hates us. I think what you're seeing now is more and more news organizations start to resemble actually marketing agencies, where there is news, and then there is news according to this media outlet sponsor. So whatever that media outlet sponsor wants us to believe, interpret, digest, is the news that we're going to get. You know, perfect case in point, the whole Shinzo Abe fish thing. I mean, that's like classic cutting up of what actually happened and turning it into what you need to know, basically, everything that's coming from CNN or Vox or everything from the left. But it was a perfectly, they must have hired a team of Hollywood writers to take what actually happened <laughs> and so mash it up and rewrite everything about it as to make this narrative that they ran. Only Hollywood can bring us the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's like they always do this all the time. They have some narrative about a, an event in the news, and then it turns out not to be true at all. Like Michael Brown, where they said that was an example of uh, black uh, police brutality against black citizens, and he was uh, innocent, and he was surrendering and all of that. Then we find out none of that's true. The grand jury showed it was true. Three autopsies showed it was true. They said, well, that wasn't true, but it expresses a greater truth. <laughs> that lie expresses the greater truth. Which Jacob, is their narrative. Jacob, yes. why are Democrats so mortified and embarrassed by President Trump's eccentricity? By all accounts, his foreign policy is much more successful than his predecessors. Is it just that the left cares more about appearance than reality? Yes, they do care more about appearance than reality. And also, they're not embarrassed by Trump as the president. They're embarrassed that Trump is beating Barack Obama's foreign policy legacy. That's what they're embarrassed about. So anything that they can make look like a snafu or a gaffe or anything, they're gonna turn it and use it against President Trump. I think that it's absolutely despicable how, how CNN uh, edited that video to make Trump look like a goofball and 
and whatnot. And and one thing that they left out, which I thought was kind of funny, I thought they would have talked about this, is right before Trump went to Japan, he he visited Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Uh, you know, just I guess just to remind himself, okay, these are the these people attacked us in, before World War II. That's what got <laughs> us into the war. So we're now I'm going to go and and shake hands with their with their emperor. And quite frankly, I'm proud of the president for not bowing. I I'm glad that he respected him and shook his hand. But the the, the United States, we're not a nobility. We bow to no one. You know, I have always had, in the dark recesses of my conspiratorial mind, I have always had this theory that when President Bush keeled over and vomited on the Prime Minister of Japan, it was really a performance to uh, get back for Pearl Harbor. You know, George Bush, a hero of World War II. It was a subtle little jab 50 years later. Okay, we have so much more to talk about. We have to talk about this awful shooting at the Texas church on Sunday, and then we have to just have much better news, which is the reveling of the DNC and the Democratic Party falling apart, a circular firing squad of my third cousin once removed's former campaign and Donna Brazile. But I'm sorry, guys, I, I wish that you could stick around if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, but you can't because I need to be able to afford Kofefe in my leftist tears tumbler. So you'll have to go to thedailywire.com. If you go there, it is $10 a month, $100 a year. For those who have already subscribed, thank you very much. You help us keep the lights on. For those who don't, you'll get me. You'll get the Andrew Clavin Show. You'll get the Ben Shapiro Show. You'll now get The Conversation, which is a new uh, series that we've done. I know what you're saying. Michael, I'm more tired than you are. You didn't even sleep last night. Well, that's fine. Let me see if this wakes you up. The Leftist Tears Tumblr. This, by the way, this, this batch is being dedicated to Donna Brazile. Donna Brazile has done more for the propagation of leftist tears in this country than anybody I've ever seen. She's done much more for water conservation, particularly salty water conservation. So go over there right now. You can have your leftist tears hot or cold, always salty and delicious. TheDailyWire.com. We'll be right back. A militant atheist killed 26 people on Sunday at a Texas church, including his grandmother-in-law. Uh, this was all after sending threatening text messages to his own mother-in-law. Authorities now suggest the incident was primarily caused by this domestic dispute. The shooter was eventually taken down after a local resident and hero shot back at him through an opening in his armor. He shot at his side because he, he saw that there would be an opening in his armor. He flagged down a car and then he chased him as the shooter tried to get away. Um, you know, the, the left has been trying to draw an equivalence between shootings such as this, the so-called, the real senseless violence, and terrorist attacks like we saw in New York. It, it is amazing because you'll always hear Democrats refer to actual terrorist attacks as senseless violence, even when there's a perfectly sensible and logical reasoning behind those attacks. And then they'll refer to senseless violence as a terrorist attack because, obviously, their view of the world is entirely upside down. We should be very careful with language here because terrorism can be defined down to nothing. It's a term that's bandied about a lot, but it does have a real definition. It is uh, the use of violence against civilians to achieve a political goal. So when uh, Muslim terrorists, jihadi terrorists, target civilians to uh, affect the foreign policy of the United States or the foreign policy of their own so-called caliphate, that falls under the definition of terrorism. If a crazy person just shoots up a bunch of people because he's angry at his in-laws or something to that effect, it's awful. The, the human carnage will look 
virtually the same, but it is there is a categorical difference between uh, your run-of-the-mill mass shooting, a mass shooting, and and a terrorist attack. The the motive is different, and those are different categories. So, you know, they'll uh, they'll blame it on racism or Islamophobia or whatever. But there is that categorical difference. Now, this guy, I, don't, I won't even say his name. Uh, he's, he was court-martialed in 2012 for assaulting his wife and child. Many now are calling for gun control. They're being uh, vicious in mocking people for offering thoughts and prayers, even though the victims were, at the moment that they were uh, tragically killed, all praying. They're saying this is awful and terrible, and they're blaming Republicans for it. Um, but it was illegal. It was already illegal for the shooter to have a gun. Uh, he seemed to get it anyway. The state even denied him a license. Uh, Emily, is there any way to stop shootings like this? That's, I mean, if I had the answer to that, obviously we could just implement it and everything would be done. I don't think that there's a real answer here other than affecting the culture. I mean, we've had legalized arms since 1776, and we've only recently started to see this uptick in mass shootings. I don't know what is the proper cause of that, and we talk about you know, splitting it up between terrorism, you know, domestic assault, workplace violence, you know, none of that affects me when I, when I go to church or when I go to a parade, when I go anywhere, you know, what, what the attacker or what the assailant's um, point is or what their end goal is, all that matters to me is that I can't go out anywhere anymore. And you see that from something that's falling apart in the culture. Well, there is a statistical issue here that a mass shooting is a shooting with three or more people killed. So those, you know, more people every year are killed by hands and feet than are killed by rifles of any sort, including the so-called assault weapons and shotguns and so on. So there, there is a, a there's a, a media component of this as well. Um, but your point is quite right. You know, if you had the answer to how to stop these shootings, then you'd say it and it would be over. And if Democrats had the answer to how to stop these shootings, they would affect that legislation it would be over. But while they mock people who offer thoughts and prayers for this awful outcome of the fallen nature of man, you'll notice that none of the gun control bills that they have proposed would have stopped any of these shootings. They wouldn't have stopped any of these shootings. There is one uh, potential legal maneuver to reduce these number of shootings, but that would be the repeal of the Second Amendment. <laughs> short of that, short of mass gun confiscation, short of repealing or uh, confiscating rather the 300 million guns in this country, no uh, law will change that. Just as we've seen uh, in in this particular case, it was illegal for this guy to own a gun. He was denied a license. Nevertheless, he obviously was able to get his hands on plenty of guns. Um, one aspect that Democrats often don't want to talk about with this is the mental health aspect. We shut down most of the mental institutions in the 1980s because of the discovery of drugs that people would take and it would uh, basically cure their conditions. Trouble is, once they got out of the institutions, they stopped taking the drugs and then they, there were just a lot of crazy people on the street. Um, it's very difficult to involuntarily commit people these days. Jacob, should we be able to? Is that an answer? to uh, preventing people from undertaking these awful acts? I think it could be. Uh, I, I'm always hesitant to say we should, we should arrest someone and put them in an asylum against their, against their will. I'm always hesitant to say that. Well, that's because we found you in one. I understand <laughs> well, there's true. a personal component too, but it's trying to speak objectively. Is that, it's a hard answer, but is that 
the answer to uh, this mental health crisis? I think it could be, and you know, it's really hard as a conservative because you would have to, the government would have to fund these institutions. I mean, a bunch, it's gonna be hard for a private citizen to convince them to, to fund all these loony bins, right? But um, it's hard as a conservative to say, oh, the federal government needs to be involved, but I think they should to some extent because it's a public safety issue and we're seeing that with more of these mentally ill people who are breaking the law and getting their hands on guns. And I would just like to say uh, that, you know, just as a Texan, you know, my heart goes out. Fortunately, my family, they were uh, two hours, two, two, three hours something east of the shooting. But Which in Texas is like right next door. Yeah, a two yeah, hour exactly. journey, that's going to be the town over. <laughs> exactly. And I just want to say that my heart uh, goes out to my fellow Texans in this time of crisis. And, and I, know, I know Democrats are going to hate it, but my thoughts and prayers are out there as well. How dare you, you awful bigot. And also worth pointing out that this tragedy, this guy was taken down mm -hmm. by a good guy with a gun. A bad guy yes. with a gun was taken down by a good guy with a gun, unfortunately, too late to have saved uh, two dozen people, more than two dozen people. Okay, really, really awful situation. Uh, definitely another another example of tragedy during the Clavenless weekend. And yeah, thoughts and prayers go out to us. And if you have a problem with thoughts and prayers, then tough, pal, too bad. Let's move on to good news, which is Donna Brazile. <laughs> Donna <laughs> Brazile has uh, dedicated her book to Seth Rich. He was that DNC staffer <laughs> who was gunned down in an apparent uh, robbery gone wrong. Uh, she said that his death made her fear for her life, that it led her to close her blinds in fear of snipers and to install a security system in her home. Now, the, the right was eviscerated for suggesting that uh, he was this kid, Seth Rich, was involuntarily suicided, to borrow a phrase. You know, the right has considered the Clintons uh, in their conspiratorial recesses to be murderers for three decades, and uh, this was, you know, like number 500 on the list or something. We, uh, the right was eviscerated for indulging this conspiracy theory. Emily, are we now seeing the Clintons killed Seth Rich theory being revived by the former chairman of the Democratic National Committee? <laughs> Well, if you ask R the Donald subreddit, it never needed reviving because it was never, <laughs> it it never, was never off the table. They were always hot on the case. But <laughs> there's this new evidence that has come to light. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's, if that's another bit of marketing that they're just, you know, pushing out there to get more people to buy her book to find out everything that she meant by that. Uh, it certainly makes me want to find out more. But, you know, it makes me wonder why... If she's, being, if she's making such a public statement about that, why she isn't being questioned about it. And why she isn't being suicided, for that matter. <laughs> Either way, from both sides of this, there are more questions than answers. Jacob, the left has vigorously shot down the conspiracy theory. Is it so fringy? I know you're a tinfoil hat guy. I don't, I think that in this particular case, there's just not enough information, but I think Donna Brazile, when she heard that, the fact that she was investigating what was going on in the DNC, hey, if, if I had been in that situation and I heard that someone on my team or, you know, on the team had been killed, yeah, that would make me paranoid too. I'm not saying that that was the case with Seth Rich, but I do, I honestly think that maybe there was a little bit of fear that went through her spine. and. Uh, and or, and she lacks one clearly. You know she's going after the Clintons now when it's okay to do that. When Hillary after Hillary's been defeated and now Bernie and uh, Focahontas are you know the rising stars of the of the Democratic Party. So to me this 
to me, I can kind of see her perspective on if she was scared. I think, though, it's just more posturing. She just wants to make a clean break from the Clintons, and this is the best way to do it. I once heard the greatest evidence against the charge that the Clintons are murderers, which is that Anthony Weiner is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that man is breathing today. It basically debunks all of the Clinton murder conspiracies. Well, I don't know. Be, be, being a, being a, a registered sex offender kind of destroys all his credibility. So even if he was to say something, they can just go, hey, he's a pedophile. That is true. And even if the Clintons don't personally murder people, they, we do know they're pretty cold-blooded. So if I were Donna <laughs> Brazil, I probably would have slept with one eye open, too. But speaking of Donna Brazil, she has also now apparently admitted that she considered replacing Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine on the ticket with Joe Biden and Cory Booker after Clinton passed out mid-stride on her way to a car in New York. Listen to how they talk, though, that she considers she's the head of the DNC. She considered replacing the uh, democratically elected ticket. Jacob, has the Democratic Party always been so hostile to democracy? Yes, they have this superdelegate system, which you know, whenever they're whenever they're party members, they vote for a candidate. They have a super delicate system where it's like people like former Vice President Al Gore. You know, all these George Soros, I'm sure, is one of them. I don't know if that for sure, but it's all these former governors and retired Democrats and and donors, and they can actually supersede the the will of their own party. And I just think that, of course, yes, they're totally anti. A democracy. I know they're they're already anti-republic, so to speak. But I think that uh, Donna Brazil wanting to do that in the middle of a campaign, I think that would have been a bad move on her part because that would have made the party look weak. Had she had done that earlier, when when the party when the primary was still going on, it probably would have made more sense. But the fact that she did it later, I think that. Uh, I think that only would have helped Trump even more. And it is so elitist. By yeah. a bizarre happenstance, I was actually a sommelier at George Soros's wedding. So I was in a room with all of these people. And th to hear them talk, they have utopia. It's that Davos view of the world. They have it. They're going to they're gonna tell those people to get in line. And yeah, so what if, if their constituents... Uh, elected the, this ticket for the general election. I, I don't know if it's going to be the best. She's a little bad health. Let's just replace the whole thing, not even with the guy who lost, but completely <laughs> separate candidates because we know what's best for the proletariat. It's an aristocracy. It is, it, is a, it is a very perverse, it's an aristocracy without any of the class. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Emily, did Biden and Booker have the better chance? Taking her claim on its merit, uh, should she have replaced Hillary Clinton with, uh, with Biden and Booker? And how will this all affect strategy in 2020? I mean, I think Biden and, and Booker may have had a chance in the primaries, even towards the end of the primaries. I don't think with less than two months left to go, there's going to be any chance of swapping somebody out in, in the middle of a national election. I don't think that was a necessarily strong decision to even consider. And I don't think, I think what, what her answer was is that she couldn't do it to the supporters of Hillary, which is ultimately what made her change her mind at the last minute. I mean, no, it would have been a show of desperation, like Jacob said. There would mm -hmm. have been, it would have shown absolute collapse within the party, which was already starting to fray at the DNC when you had people trying to chant to cover up the sounds of Hillary being booed on the platform. Mm -hmm. so, That's true. Biden and Booker were certainly better candidates, but at a certain point, you got to live with your decisions <laughs> and you have to <laughs> have to move on and not show utter collapse right before a tight presidential election. All right. Excellent panel. Thank you for being here. Emily Butler from The Daily Wire and Jacob Berry from The Sidewalk. Now, we uh, I've got a 
thank everybody for listening to Another Kingdom. We have over 500 reviews now on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and all of that. So thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. It is the only chance I ever have at performing in Hollywood ever again at, by just Drew Clavin and I doing our own thing and, and forcing them to listen to it. So really appreciate it. Uh, we've got four episodes out now. It comes out once a week on Fridays. Subscribe. Go over there. It's Andrew Clavin's Another Kingdom. It's been a lot of fun. And be sure to tune in to watch our next episode of The Conversation on Tuesday, November 14th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, and that will be featuring me. The Conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire website and Facebook page and YouTube channel everywhere, and it will be free for everyone to watch, but only subscribers can ask questions. Subscribe today to ask me all of the most important questions, and I won't be able to answer. I'll probably just stare blankly at the screen for an hour, 90 minutes, but then you will be part of the conversation, and so you should join it, and we'll see you then. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Tune in tomorrow. We'll do it all again, and maybe I'll sleep in the meantime. Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. And our associate producer is Bailey Lynn. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Copyright forward publishing 2017.